Welcome to the Stephen and Arjun's Football Podcast, where they discuss anything football, everything football. This podcast is brought to you by Starshot Bakery and Misuboy SG. Craving for party treats like cakes and cookies in Subang Jaya? Visit starshot.bakery on Instagram. Or would you like tiramisu in Singapore? Visit misuboy.sg on Instagram as well. Good day listeners and welcome to another episode of the Steven Ajus Football Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Misuboy SG and Starshot Bakery. In the last episode, we talked about the review of match day one of the UEFA Champions League this season. And this episode, we're going to talk about the review of match day two. And also uh, looking ahead for the preview of the upcoming Barclays Premier League uh, this weekend. And joining me today on our podcast is my co-host Arjun. Arjun, welcome. Thanks, Stephen. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, good to be recording with you as well. And also our seasoned guest, uh, fellow MU fan, Uday. Uday, welcome. Hi, Stephen. Uh, good to be back. Very interesting discussion we have today, I guess. Yeah, we do. Okay, and last but not least, we have a new guest for our podcast. He's an Arsenal fan and his name is Saslin. Saslin, welcome. Hi, hi, Stephen. Uh, thanks for letting me join this podcast. I'm very pleased to join. All right, all right. Good to have you on board. And hopefully, we have a good discussion and uh, enjoy ourselves throughout this, this Yeah, yeah. This I actually came to enjoy myself, yeah. <laughs> Without further ado, let us start today's uh, discussion. We'll start off with PSG versus City. PSG, of course, won 2-0, uh, courtesy of goals from Gui and as well as Lionel Messi opening his account against City this time around. Ude, what are your thoughts after the match? I thought it was a typical Man City performance where it was all domination. Um, there were a couple of good chances which City had, uh, which was saved by the goalkeeper. There was some good goalkeeping there throughout the game. City was also a bit unlucky. I think they should have had a penalty given, um, but then the referee waved it out. And then after all that attacking and domination, they considered two counter-attacking chances and both of them went into the goal. Of course, there were more chances, but the two goals were, came from counter-attacking chances. And I really like the Messi, Neymar, Mbappe combination. They're slowly, slowly building up the chemistry. I think they'll be, a, they'll be quite interesting moving forward and whether or not, Pochettino can use them to help to win the Champions League, which is what he was brought into PSG for. And, uh, yeah, brilliant goal for Messi. Well taken. Uh, will everyone disagree with me if I say assist of the season for Mbappe for Messi's goal? Um, that's like saying how Busquets assists for Messi in the game between Barcelona and Real Madrid a few seasons ago. Well, <laughs> it's just a right. shot back heel, isn't it? Yes, you're right. <laughs> It's right, but it happened this season though. So the Busquets was previously. So it is for this season, maybe? I don't know. So, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but I think the goal was more beautiful than the assist. Oh yeah, definitely. Top corner stuff. I think the goalkeeper couldn't even reach it. So yeah. I think uh, that basically shows his class. Like, you know, I think he saw the move, uh, Edison moving to the right. So raising it on the left, I think that was a really good... Uh, Yeah, but looking at that goal, uh, you after I watched during I watched when I watched the highlight, I see that goal right. It reminds me of when he scored for Barcelona. You know, like I somehow see this goal before. You know, it looks very familiar. Like he does that with Neymar, with Iniesta, with Xavi, 
Also, yeah, uh, is it just me or uh, most of uh, his goals like that? Very similar as well. I think you brought up a very good point right now. I think his goals are very similar. It's him from deep, running all the way to the front, passing it around and then scoring it himself. Yeah, from, yeah, from I the middle, I think yeah. he always plays at the top, top bin. So I think, yeah, that's uh, quite normal of him. But yeah, but then again, yeah, that finish. I mean, again, it's a very good team, which is actually... City uh, being very good defensively and then him scoring such goals that should show, you know, how much uh, Yeah, but um, Uday, you meant, you brought up a point about City's problem. Probably it's just like there are a lot of building up, you know. Like what you said previously, I remember you said in one of the podcasts uh, it's all four play and no penetration. It's like they are lacking a centre forward, you know. Still the same. <laughs> They're still lacking a centre forward. You're right. Okay, alright. So, we shall see who will... Uh, hopefully, both teams will progress, but probably PSG might age it as the uh, finishing top of the group. Uh, let us move on to the second game, Arjun. Um, MU against Villarreal. MU with a last-minute winner again. Cristiano Ronaldo in the Champions League night. What are your thoughts, Arjun? Uh, again, I think this match uh, is probably uh, the same pattern as all most of United's matches this season, where United don't deserve to come away with three points. I don't think they even deserve one point. They probably deserve to lose. That's how bad the performance was. Yes, granted, uh, one Saka was missing uh, through suspension. Uh, Maguire and Shaw were missing through injuries. But still, that's why we have the squad depth, uh, where Dalum has come in, Lindelof has come in, uh, Teles has come in. So, but... It wasn't enough. At the back, it, they were so rusty. I mean, the centre-back pairing was fine, but the full-backs were so rusty. They were being attacked by Villarreal winners over and over again. But that wasn't the only problem. The midfield was being overrun so easily. It was being passed through so easily by Villarreal. Uh, United takes like 30 passes to get close to the Villarreal penalty box. And Villarreal has two passes and they are bypassed the United midfield. So I think there, are a lot of, there were a lot of problems to fix. Uh, but if I could... Narrow it down, I think uh, it was three issues in this game. One was the lack of sharpness of the fullbacks. Uh, as I mentioned, the backup fullbacks were just not up to speed, couldn't cope with the Villarreal Vegas. And the lack of a CDM uh, like Matic, like especially CDM, uh, someone like maybe NDD or Neves or Bisuma, uh, so- someone like Fabinho for Liverpool, Kante for Chelsea and Rodri for City, uh, someone to just sit there and break up the opponent's attacks. Uh, and to provide stability to the midfield. I think United is solely lacking someone like that. Matic is good, but he's old. He can't play every game. He can't keep up with 90 minutes in a single game. So that is the second problem. And the third problem is uh, the build-up itself, the balance of the midfield. Um, it's not great, uh, especially playing Ronaldo. Ronaldo is a fantastic finisher, fantastic coacher, world-class player. We all know that. but uh, over his age, like because of his age, uh, he no longer can participate in building up the attack that well. And because of that, he's both the problem and the solution. Especially in this game as well, uh, he, he can't participate in the build-up because he can't really dribble anymore. He can't, uh, he can't sprint, uh, he can't press for so long. He just has to be in the penalty box to be the poacher, uh, receiving crosses and finishing off. And for that purpose, building up attacks, Cavani is much better. But that's a problem. But at the end of the cross, you still want Ronaldo to be there. There's no one better than him. So that's why he's both a problem and a solution. 
So I think until only solve this problem, uh, United's matches are going to be like this. Uh, we're probably going to, even if we win, we're going to win with like last minute winners like this. Uh, Raldo is saving United, like what they mentioned before, uh, with moments of brilliance. So yeah, that, that's what I think about this match. Comeback wins and whatnot, yeah? United yeah. are well known for that nowadays. Yeah, Arjun, it's, it sounds like you're describing like Zlatan Ibrahimovic a few seasons ago where he can't participate in a build-up anymore and he's just there to finish off the chances. Uh, yes, but the difference was Zlatan knew that everyone knew the Zlatan's role. So the ball wasn't actually being passed to Zlatan. Zlatan wasn't dropping him uh, during the build-up and things like that. Ronaldo being Ronaldo, people do want to pass to him and he... Get, tends to just get frustrated at times. He can't stay up all the time. He does drop deep at times and tries to get involved in the attack. But the attack breaks down each time. And every time the wingers, the young wingers like Greenwood or Sancho get the ball, they feel compelled to have to find Ronaldo each time. So that is also the problem. Uh, because in a team play, uh, they should not be able, they should not need to find just one player all the time. Uh, so that's also the problem there, I think. It's like it's not a team's play anymore, like it's like an individual play where I have to find a player, I have to find a player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, interesting. Okay, um, the next match we want to uh, review for Champions League is the match between uh, Juventus and reigning European champions Chelsea. Sasilan, um uh, Juventus won this match with uh, Federico Chiesa's um scoring 11 seconds after the second half started. What are your thoughts of this match? Yeah, I actually, I personally think, I think the result that was produced from this match, I think it's the second most upsetting from match day two. First one, of course, is Real Madrid losing against, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the club's name, but not disrespect the club. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you might say, okay, I think uh, Barcelona's game is uh, probably the second most, I mean, second game that produced the most upsetting result. But I somehow had a feeling that Barcelona were going to lose with your current form. Okay, but coming back to the Juventus versus Chelsea, I honestly, uh, I was, uh, I honestly thought Chelsea were going to win the game. They actually dominated. They should have won. I'm not sure whether I should credit the defenders, uh, but I, I'm i going to go with, I think uh, the Chelsea attacking players, they didn't take up the chances. That's what I'm going to go with the game. They dominated the game. They just didn't take up the chances. And, and then, like you said, 11 seconds from the start of the second half, they were probably switched off then, that time. You see, uh, I mean, when you're, when you're playing at a pro level, I'm sure, you know, even one second, if you switch yourself off, it can be very costly. So that should explain, I mean, uh, this, this goal, I think that uh, shows, you know, maybe the players were really switched off after the second half, I mean, uh, at the start of the second half. Mm, I think, yeah, uh, to some, I think uh, they lost because they didn't take up the chances. You were a good point with regards to the match. Um, definitely one of the shocking matches that happened this match week. Uh, I would like to highlight that the midfield of Jorginho and Kovacic looks very poor, very laboured. They're not showing the same impetus or impact in which having an Angolo Kante would be there. And it was because of those two defensive midfielders um, why Chelsea was not able to play very well. They kept on ceding possession too many times. They were struggling to keep up with the 
phases in which uh, Juventus was building up. And of course, this is a poor Juventus we're talking about. So definitely the midfield played really badly for the fact that Juventus was able to create space throughout the game. I feel that I think this is a tactical error from uh, Thomas Tuchel. We have praised him a lot for his tactics in this podcast, but he definitely needs to be uh, more aware of who his best center defensive midfielders or midfielder, midfield partners are to break the play and to help them help Chelsea uh, attack more quicker. But if you, if you personally ask me, I think he should uh, incorporate his first 11 based on the three midfielders, uh, Kovacic, Jorginho and Kante. I think they are probably the best uh, uh, midfield trio in the uh, top leagues. Yeah. Uh, if if they, if if they would if they three were to play together, I'm not sure why uh, Kante missed his game. Maybe he's injured or ill. Oh, I think he infected with COVID. Uh, right? He was out with COVID. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> but I think yeah, Kante's uh, absence probably uh, yeah, you know is, is one of the reason why they lost. But if uh, against I mean uh, you see if against Tottenham when Kante came in at the second half. With uh, them three dominating the entire midfield, I mean, they basically changed the entire game, you know. So, I honestly think uh, if Chelsea were, uh, if Tuchel were to incorporate their uh, first 11 uh, based on these three players, I think they can easily win single uh, Premier League games. But then again, Absolutely. I think uh, I'm not sure why against, uh, I, ho- I honestly thought against. Uh, uh, City, uh, Chelsea were going to be the one dominating, but somehow I don't know whether it's Pep or whether it's City, they uh, they ended up dominating the entire game. So that was a bit upsetting for me. But uh, I honestly think uh, Chelsea's midfield trio, I think they are the best uh, in the world at the moment. Yeah, like you highlighted a very good point, and I agree with regards to that. Um, Arjun, do you have anything to say with regards to this game? Um, no, not really, but I do agree with the uh, assessment that Chelsea's midfield, with the inclusion of Edmolo Kante, has very, very good balance because uh, it allows Jorginho to sit deep, spray passes, uh, be a deep line playmaker like he was at uh, Napoli, and it allows Kovacic to run ahead, uh, be the box to box midfielder, and then Kante is just a destroyer, he intercepts play, he does a bit of everything. So yeah, uh, I think that that midfield has very good balance. But take out N'Golo Kante, the midfield balance is totally destroyed. Uh, they probably don't have a good enough replacement for him. So I think that was a very fair assessment. Yeah, great. Thanks for uh, informing this. And with regards to midfield, uh, I have noticed, and this will transition perfectly to our next uh, segment or next topic. I've noticed recently that Liverpool's midfield of um, the three midfielders that Liverpool usually play have been much more involved recently in regards to Liverpool's attack rather than Liverpool defensively. And I think this was highlighted in the game against Porto. What are your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you, Udi, for the question. Yeah, so um, for this season, it's a bit different considering the fact that, um, you know, our defenders are back and then we no longer have to use midfielders as our centre defender to plug the gap. And this can be seen from... And finally, we have a bit of midfield stability, I feel. Even when back then when we have um, players like Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum. And I feel that there isn't a... What do you call that? Um, a, a, a stable midfield tree. 
you know, there's always chop, chop, chopping and changing here and there. But this season, we see that there is a, there's a standard midfield three, you know. I, I feel that for this season, Klopp's best midfield three will, uh, was, was, there is, was Fabinho, Henderson, and um, Javi again before he got injured. Yeah, so, and now Javi got injured and actually, I'm very happy that Curtis Jones took the chance with, with, with you know, both of his hands and, and he really grabbed, grabbed it to perform well, you know. And he's keeping uh, players like Thiago, uh, Thiago, uh, Thiago Navigator out, out of the team. So I'm really happy for him. I feel like last season, he was still quite young. I can see that he made some, uh, he still made stupid decisions. At, 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 like, for example, I know that he's a dribbler. Uh, last season, he was, I see him dribbling uh, near the corner or the, or the edge of the penalty area, Liverpool's penalty area, which is unwise to do. And then he, he lose the ball. And then the opponent get a shot on goal. This season, his dribbling is much better. You know, it's harder for him to, it's harder for the opponent to get the ball off him. So, so yeah, and also, uh, yeah, he, he performed outstandingly over the past two games. He scored a goal against Brentford. And he, he had a hand in all four, uh, four, four of the five goals against Porto uh, uh, on, on Tuesday. Yeah, so I'm very happy for him. Uh, and he's, he's also quite young, 20 years old. And yeah, so for this season, midfield, hopefully there isn't uh, any injuries for our defenders so that, you know, we can have a stable midfield. Uh, Fabinho at the number six row. Uh, Henderson uh, is a box-to-box. And Curtis Jones can go up front and support attack. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. I honestly thought that uh, Curtis Jones... And Jordan Henderson really ran the show against Porto. However, I thought that there were a lot of uh, defensive mistakes from Porto, and I feel that Arjun might agree with this. Um, Arjun? Uh, yeah, good point as well. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't watch the match, but uh, I was just looking at the highlights. And of course, uh, as Stephen uh, brought up a point earlier as well, was that uh, you can't really judge the entire match through the highlights. But out of the five goals Liverpool scored, uh, three was directly from the Porto goalkeeper's mistakes. So uh, it seemed to me like for all Liverpool's dominance, it was meant to be a 2-1 or a 3-1 kind of game. And the scoreline was inflated to flatter Liverpool in a way uh, because of the goalkeeper's mistakes. It was just really strange watching him make those mistakes. Uh, like uh, for the goal that I think Mane scored from Milner's cross, the goalkeeper tried to come for the ball, but then he just sort of backed away at the last minute. And so it just went uh, right in front of him across to Mane, who just had to tap it in into an empty net. And then there was the, the other one, which was even more strange, where uh, his centre-back was competing with uh, Roberto Firmino for a long ball. And he, came, he tried to come out of his goal to get involved for, for no reason whatsoever. Uh, there was no justification to do that. And Firmino got the ball and managed to slot it in uh, to the empty net once again. So, yes, of course, uh, props to Firmino as well for capitalizing on the opportunity. Um, it's not an entirely easy chance, but yeah, the Porto goalkeeper effectively ruined his team, uh, his team having any chance of even drawing the game. Yeah, that's a really good assessment. But let's take nothing away from what, exactly what Steven said earlier. Uh, Liverpool definitely played a good game. They definitely deserved the victory. And I, for once, made a mistake during the 
Champions League preview indicating that Porto might be really well. Uh, am I right, Steven? It looks like Porto is quite bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, before this, we all thought that Porto was very well. You know, last season, they knocked out Juventus out of the Champions League. And this season, uh, in the match day one, they, they held uh, Madrid to a new new draw uh, in the Wanda Metropolitano Stadium. So, so I thought that they, they were good, you know. They had this very informed striker who actually did score a header against Liverpool, you know, Taremi. So, it was a bit surprising for me to, to, to see that Liverpool dominated the match, you know. Uh, to answer Arjun's question, um, uh, Liverpool had 21 shots compared to compared to Porto's six. Yeah, so so I feel dominated is the correct word to use here. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm a bit surprised to see that Porto was quite poor over uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of uh, midfield uh, power and everything, I remember Sassile just brought it up just now. What do you think of the difference between Liverpool and Chelsea's midfield Sassile? Do you think if you had to choose the both of them, which would you rather have in your team in Arsenal? Uh, hands down, I'll go for Chelsea. Like um, From just now, I've been citing Chelsea, their midfield. They, they have the best midfield. Because uh, I think one thing uh, I really uh, fancy about Jorginho, he can turn uh, any pressure, uh, you know, he can take up all the pressure from the opposing players and then he can... He can easily make it look like a counter attack. He can e- easily, you know, transi- uh, do a transition, and then they will start attacking. So I really want, I really like uh, that about him. And then uh, for Kante, I really like all his interceptions, at, um, his defend, his defensive work, and everything. And Jorginho, I think he is, uh, he's really good both attacking and also defensive wise. So this just makes uh, the when the three of them play together, I think they have a complete pack of uh, midfield in the field. So I uh, I really think Chelsea's midfield right now. I mean, if the three play together, I think they have the best midfield in the world. All right, thanks. Um, transitioning to our next segment, um, speaking of midfield as well, I feel that the Liverpool Man City game might be decided. With the midfield, the fact that if Liverpool play the same attacking flow in which they played against Porto as well as Man City, does anyone disagree with my assessment here? Uh, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I think the 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 game we won or lost through the midfield, and then I feel the, the the crucial battle for 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 the upcoming game between City and Liverpool is the. The right back position for for Liverpool that is because uh, as you all know, um, uh, Trent Trent Alexander Arnold is is out of this game. Yeah, he was injured against uh, Brentford. So so uh, James Milner will, will slot in as a substitute uh, right back, and it's interesting to see how he's going to cope against Jack Grealish. I feel uh, Grealish speed will beat him hands down, and I feel he needs all his, all his experience in terms of positioning to to know how to deal against him. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think as, as uh, Stephen mentioned as well, uh, the absence uh, of Trent Alexander-Arnold is going to be pretty crucial for Liverpool, especially uh, more so at- attacking-wise compared to defensive, uh, given that he's one of Liverpool's main source of creativity for assists. Um, I think they are really sorely going to miss 
process coming in from the right side. However, we have seen uh, James Milner deputizing uh, ably for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, so they might not, they, they might be able to cope with his absence uh, by replacing him. I, I think James Milner is probably going to be the right back there uh, against Man City. What, what do you think, Stephen? Do you agree with that? Uh, yes, I agree. James Milner will be the right back on Sunday. Um, I honestly, uh, I think this reminds me of the game between Liverpool and Crystal Palace where James Miller was the right back against Crystal Palace. And I'm not too sure whether any of you remember this, where I thought that James, that Chris Zaha wanted to dribble past James Miller in Zaha's own half. And I think he nutmegged James Miller and I think James Miller just went down and just broke, tried to break Zaha's leg. I found that really funny and I can't wait to see that happening against Jack Village. Do you think that might happen in this upcoming game? Sorry, like how you mean how Jack so Grealish really, is going to... Just, I think yeah. James Miller was just really upset at Zaha trying to nutmeg him. So he just like slight tackled him straight away, prevented him from counter-attacking. So I think this will definitely... Uh, I can't wait to see this happen because I found it very funny because um, I think James Miller was just sick and tired of Zaha's like uh, trickery. It was like, I'm, mm. not, I, I'm the older person here, so you listen to me and I'm going to sit you down. So that's what I thought that happened. So I can't wait to see that happen in the game against uh, Man City as well, where James Miller will destroy Jack Grealish's legs. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Because Jack Grealish is not particularly on form as well for City. I, I understand that he, had a, he, he didn't have a good game against PSG midweek. Yeah. Yeah, so we shall yeah. see. Yeah, but he is the most uh, tackle player. That's why I brought it up as well. I think um, he might definitely be tackled and I can't wait to see that. Um, any, uh, Sassilin, any other thoughts? With regard yeah, to I, I, I think he's going, there will be a numerous uh, number of attempts on take-ons against Miller. I'm pretty sure. So let's see. <laughs> All right. So now that we have completed uh, a single match between Manchester and Merseyside, talking about Man City and Liverpool, we'll now talk about the Next Manchester and Merseyside match that's happening this weekend. Arjun, what are your thoughts? Me, I as a Manchester United fan, uh, I'm not very excited because I don't feel Andrew's been playing really well recently. So, Arjun, please try to make me happy. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry, but I feel exactly the same as you. Uh, I think even in the games that United have won this season, uh, we have scraped past or it's been due to individual brilliance either due to Ronaldo being in the right place at the right time, or like Lingard's uh, moment of brilliance against West Ham, or De Gea uh, being absolutely on form, giving out multiple shots. It's all been down to moments of brilliance by individuals. And I don't know how long that can carry on. Uh, and so I'm not particularly... I, and another point is that we tend to play much better away from home than at home, and I have no idea why. Uh, and this weekend, United against Everton is at home at Old Trafford, so I'm not particularly looking forward to it. Uh, I don't think... I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't expect much from the match, from United's point, point of view. Um, if we do win, I think it's going to be another match like Villarreal where we perform really badly and it's going, probably going to be a last-minute winner or whatnot. But it's, it's going to be interesting uh, how Ole chooses to set up his team against Everton. Um, I think Everton have one or two players missing as well. Uh, yeah, so, and Everton have lost their last match. I'm not mistaken. Uh, not on particularly good form as well. So, it's going to be interesting how, how it's going to go. But 
uh, yeah, I, I'm not expecting much from United on the weekends. How about you, Dave? Sorry. Just to uh, clarify, uh, Everton beat Norwich the last game 2-0, uh, but they didn't play particularly well, that's for sure. Um, uh, and, and they lost to Aston Villa in the previous match. Yeah, right? and they lost to Aston Villa previously, you're right. Uh, and yeah, Everton have been a very mixed bag team. I don't know whether any of you have been following. Uh, Sassolin, any thoughts with regards to Everton and how they've been performing recently? Uh, Everton, I, um, I, as you can see, I think they are... Uh, uh, right now, they, they have, um, I'm not sure how many points, they have uh, 13, 13 points, almost uh, one point below the first position. But I still think um, Brighton and Aston Villa a better team than Everton. I'm, not, I, I'm still not convinced that Everton is a better team than Brighton and you know, Aston Villa here. Uh, maybe because uh, I think uh, their number one striker Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison have been missing most of the recent matches. So we will see maybe if they all play together, if they have a fully fit squad and then um, we don't know maybe if Benitez can come up with a with, uh, with his first, uh, with his best first eleven, and then if they start playing more matches, then we will know. Okay, at what level they can actually play. But right now, I'm still not convinced that Everton is a is a how to say is a top four contender also. And if you ask me, I think I'm gonna go with Manchester United. I think it will be a comfortable win for me. Thanks for making us feel happy. I guess. I mean, I definitely. Uh, feel much happier listening to you at least. But but, but uh, of yeah. course, with your best defender Maguire being out, I think it's going to be a tricky one for Manchester United. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't want to keep my hopes up too high. Uh, absolutely right with your assessment and the fact that Calvert Lewin is unavailable right now and Richarlison as well. It's definitely causing them to have a bad form. But I think uh, Dukure and Gray have had a huge impact. Steven, uh, yeah. Just want. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with what, what Sassilian said just now. You know, I, I feel that the recent matches, uh, Richarlison and uh, Calvert Levin has been out, and this kind of affected, you know, their, their, them scoring goals and the fact that they can lose, they can lose three 0 to Aston Villa. You know, shows shows how much they have been missed, and and however, however, yes, they, they do have a, a a couple of injuries here and there. But I feel Rafa Benitez's team is always hard to play against. And especially against his arch rivals for so long, Manchester United, I feel he will have something up his sleeve to, to just to make this game difficult. Thanks. Thanks for the assessment. Um, I honestly think that Rafa Benitez's arch nemesis should be Newcastle United. Because that was the last thing he managed, but <laughs> if you think it's Manchester United, then okay. Um, I think we have covered all in regards today. Does anyone have any closing remarks? Nope, I'm good. All right, uh, Arjun? Uh, yeah, I'm good as well. Just looking forward to the uh, exciting matches on the weekend. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, Sassel, I'm, uh, I'm good. Arsenal's playing Brighton. Do you think uh, Arsenal has a chance of beating Brighton? Sorry, come again? Arsenal's playing Brighton right now. Do you think Arsenal has a chance to beat Brighton? Or do you oh, yeah. Yes, I'm actually uh, looking forward for that game. Okay, That game, I think, will actually decide uh, whether Arsenal are going on the right track. But I still have a huge belief in them. Yeah. I would say uh, they've been... Uh, for me, okay, we had a horrible start, actually. But if you ask me, I honestly thought it, we had a tough luck with the fixture. Okay. Uh, maybe at the at first, y'all might have thought, you know, uh, we losing against Brentford 
or something very bad but then i'm pretty sure now you guys wouldn't even agree to that you can see what brentford are capable of you know so i would say we were just uh, we just had a tough luck of fixtures at the start and since then i think uh, we have picked up a good form and then we have our squad fully fit and uh, with our current uh, form i think uh, if we keep this going we can actually uh, be the top four contenders this season yeah um, that's great all the best to arsenal uh, hopefully i definitely agree benford is a very interesting surprise package and um i don't think steven has anything to say with regards to the brentford team <laughs> <laughs> when sasu yeah, was talking about how good brentford is i'm like i have to agree i have yeah. but i'm pretty sure you i mean guys would have lost to a newly promoted team but then i mean now i think y'all should i mean all of y'all basically y'all would know you know what uh, brentford can do yeah. how much upset they can but cause but I feel Brentford to me lah. I, I still have some doubts about Brentford because I feel that they are just like those newly promoted team. Like for example, we have seen a lot of teams over the past few years, like uh, Sheffield United. We see Norwich performing well. We see Leeds United performing well last season. And these are like, you know, people are still figuring out how they play. You know, and once you know how they play, and then people knows how to uh, play against Brentford, teams like Brentford or Norwich, then then you know that's where they they show their true color. I feel. Uh, okay but uh, uh, but uh, okay yeah like i can agree, agree to what you're saying but uh, i honest, i personally feel uh, brentford they are, i mean like uh, would they say they are actually a very surprise package this season and i think they will keep uh, going forward in the upcoming season they are, when it comes to their players right i think their players also are incredibly talented like uh, david raya i think he's one of he's actually a very good keeper and then uh the brian mwemo okay i'm actually very very surprised uh, with his playing style you know i think he's uh, one of the most hard working player on the pitch and if, if uh only thing i think he's lacking is his scoring ability if he can score i think he can get himself uh, he can be a, one of the top player man seriously and ivan tony um him uh, he's uh, very good aerially and also when it comes to finishing he's also very good I think they have uh, uh, players that are individually very talented. So I don't, I, I don't think I will write them off after the first season. I think they will be better moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, that was really good. And uh, this has now become a Brentford FC podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess, it's, I think Stephen wanted to say something. Stephen, go ahead before we get ended. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's fantastic analysis from everyone. I think. Thanks, everyone. I guess. Um. Right now, I'll be doing the closing. <laughs> Although Stephen did the opening. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this podcast. Um. Uh, this podcast was brought to you by Mister Boy SG and Starstruck Starstruck Bakery. Have a good week. Sasilan, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I need to thank you all for letting me join. Actually, I enjoyed the session very much. Looking forward yeah. for more sessions with you all. Yeah. Good to have you, man. Cheers. Bye-bye.